Welcome to the EdTech Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk, and today we're talking to Eric Carson, an Associate Professor of Marketing at Villanova University. The topic is digital marketing today. So Eric, thank you for joining me. Absolutely my pleasure, Shelby. So there as an Associate Professor of Marketing at Villanova, you have quite a large subject matter to try to tackle in a course. Tell me about your your digital marketing course. Okay, well, we've been doing some version of this since about 2001. And strangely enough, it started off as interactive marketing, but we're lucky now. We also have a digital marketing concentration, and this is one of three courses in that. So I start off just with sort of an overview of digital marketing, sort of what the space is like, how it's been growing, and then we get right into some of the critical things. SEO, which used to be the main component for digital marketing, we spend quite a bit of time on SEM because buying those keywords is critical in today's digital space. Uh, Cover some web analytics, move on to a little bit on A-B testing, talk about display advertising, some of the different formats and the benefits. And then I delve a little bit into email and then we get into social media marketing. There I try to cover broadly some overviews of how to best employ social media broadly and strategic tools for targeting those narrow little markets. And then we cover each of the major platforms. And I especially like to hit on what some of the advertising and marketing tools are available on each platform and then what some of the key performance indicators are. Um, at the end of the course, we delve into the, some of the social, legal, and regulatory issues, because I think that's becoming more and more critical, as we see almost daily in the news. So you said that it's getting less of a focus on SEO and moving towards SEM. Why do you say that? Well, I think what really drove the chain from SEO to SEM was Google realizing they could monetize the ad work. You know, there's these keywords that consumers search on. Google realized we can charge people and have people bid on it. Whereas SEO used to be a more organic, natural, how do we lay out our website to best appeal to those search engines? Now, certainly doing good SEM and developing the ads and the landing pages for that is going to help your SEO. But as you look, again, the majority of Google searches today are on a phone. If you look on your phone for most searches you conduct, most of the time it's going to be ads on that whole screen. And so people may scroll through a page or so. Google has prioritized the SEM and the paid keywords, move those on top, and those top positions are really important to give the consumers what they're looking for. So the distinction being that where SEO was um, a couple of things, it was strategy, I guess, in in how you built your website, kind of the, you know, what went at the top and that sort of thing. And the way I think of SEO is more within the content. So making sure that whatever the the keyword you're, you're going for, it's in that first sentence, those sorts of things. So this shift that happened, moving from SEO to SEM, at least for the digital marketing space. Now, I guess that's what I want to understand the distinction that there is still a place for SEO, right? But in terms of digital marketing specifically and getting eyeballs in front of, you know, the content that you want, that's the difference though, right? 
Yes, there is still a place for SEO. Uh, the other term is sort of the organic or the natural search. Again, more and more what's happening is the search engines are putting the revenue generating results, SEM results, up on the first listing that people are going to see on a search. That's really what's pushing it into the fore. Right. And then Google works very hard to add lots of additions and enhancement to some of their SEM searches, like click to call or map pop-ups and the like to make it even more appealing. So SEO hasn't completely gone away, but I think for most of the popular searches you're doing today, you're going to see people bidding on keywords and looking for the top of the screen real estate. So Eric, seeing as SEM is such a critical piece of this, uh, what are some of the ways that you are teaching this as as a course? Because that's the thing is that I, I would have to think that it's hard to teach theory. It's more applicable to teach real world examples. So how do you teach this to, to your students? Absolutely. We work pretty hard to get them some hands-on experience. And short of recruiting companies and putting their business in the hands of my undergraduate students, <laughs> and that there's a company called StuKent that actually puts out an SEM simulation. Now, this does several important things for the students. It does give them a taste of what it's like to bid on keywords, write ads, design landing pages, and understand the different ways consumers may want to search. And in this case, the product is digital cameras. And so they're competing to sell more cameras among different teams in the class. So they are really able to to walk through it step by step and, and understand all the elements of a campaign. So I guess, you know, walk me through it a little bit. Tell me what the students do uh, right when they first get into the simulation. Okay. Well, again, the simulation is very well set up. They're selling digital cameras for a company called Kent Camera Store. And it starts off, they get to sell one camera. So it's a very limited and they have to figure out the keywords that are going to be available to sell cameras. And of course, the simulation presents them just as Google would in its AdWords setup, what some keyword options are, they're going to tell them uh, how competitive those keywords are. In other words, what's the competition? Then they're going to ask, okay, what kind of bid do you want to put in? So the students go through the actual bidding process. Next, of course, once you have the keyword, you've got to write the ad, little three-sentence ad that that keyword's going to link to. And the simulation, like Google does, scores how well those ads are written. That, of course, what all goes well for the student. You have to click on the ad, and that'll take you to a link. But it does give the students an idea of what a landing page should look at. Uh, they can choose between doing what we would call the product hero page, which is just one featured camera. They could have a, a few cameras from one brand. They could have an array of cameras across brand. So the students really get a chance to bid on words and design the ads and the landing pages looking for that sale of the camera. So as you kind of see your students going through uh, the simulation, uh, what are some of the hiccups? Like what are some of the, the, the areas that they have difficulty in? 
Okay, well, the real challenge is understanding how the things link from the search term, the keyword they're buying with SEM, all the way through the landing page that's trying to land the sale. And this goes through sort of that very traditional sales funnel. You have to lead the consumers through it. Sometimes, you know, the students don't get the sales at the bottom of that funnel they work for. And what they have to do is use the data from the simulation to understand where are their customers falling out. And so the hiccup really is getting the students to do the math, you know, to understand, to set it up. You know, they're going to get things like the number of ad impressions they got. They're going to get the conversions. In between, they're going to get the clicks and the opens. All these numbers are coming at them. They have to figure out how to take these numbers and like managers in the marketplace, turn this data into information, into usable insights to drive their next round of SEM marketing. Are there instances where there's no one right answer? Absolutely right. And that's one of the challenges. And I think that's one of the huge challenges for students in general is getting away from a very structured problem with the right answer and understanding that there's a number of approaches may get them to the same place. But what's different with the simulation is they're going to have numbers driving their decisions and their evaluations. Ultimately, I grade the simulation on their return on investment. So oftentimes there are several ways to, I guess, arrive at the same destination. What do you see as, uh, I guess, one of the, the biggest challenges in teaching SEM in such an industry that moves at lightning speed? Well, the challenge is, while the industry has changes, I think SEM has largely sort of locked in to some extent, so we're lucky there. But I think the change for marketing and for marketing students is understanding the amount of micro-targeting you can do with digital. What do you mean micro-targeting? Well, if you think of all the different ways different people might look for a digital camera if they were out shopping. Now, you have beginners who might just type in digital camera. You have experts who might be typing in you know, digital camera, 4K, zoom lens. Mm -hmm. becomes important for all these different segments, whether it be on experience, whether there's value shoppers versus people that are willing to spend more, whether it's people looking for a big camera, a small camera, a travel camera. All these different users are likely to be identified as different segments, or at the least, they're going to shop differently. What we have to learn to do as a digital marketer, understand how is my consumer shopping for a good, and how do I best move them through that process? So you mentioned the term segmentation, and that's, uh, that's something we've heard a lot in email marketing, for example, the importance of segmenting your list so you're not just blasting your entire list all the time. And that requires thinking through some of these very specific personas. So like you said, the, the beginner photographer that's just literally looking for their first digital camera all the way to an expert that's looking for specific specs on a camera. What I wonder, though, is uh, this is kind of just an, an 
an industry theory question. When you think through these different personas, how do you know how that particular persona A will behave differently than persona B? Well, we do, Shelby, and that's a great question. I mean, more and more, we used to talk about the, the consumer decision process. Now I think we call it the consumer journey. And what we have to do is understand how can different consumers in different segments take this journey. And in fact, we do have the data because number one, you have to remember that Google and Bing and all the search engines provide us all the words consumers type into their search bar. Then the search engines process that and tell us, well, these are very high frequency words and or phrases, and these are lower words, these are lower yet, and you can bid on that. If we map out what we think that consumer journey is like, we can then model certain words. Okay, well, this inner consumer is just going to type in durable digital camera. We can bid on that, and we can bid on words like that and ideas, and then we will have information on how many times did that actually get clicked on. And we design an ad that has a little blurb, you know, uh, come to Kent's camera. We sell all sorts of durable beginner's cameras. We have absolute statistics on how many people click on that ad. It takes the consumer to a landing page of our choosing. We can see how much time people spend there. And indeed, if they do move on to the sale. So what's different about marketing today is we're looking over the consumer's shoulder as they shop. And that gives us a lot of information. So this transition, I guess, from the consumer decision process to more of a consumer journey, uh, you're saying that we do have all of this information. We've mapped out the way that consumers go through each step of, of a purchase. And now we do have great confidence in how those, those consumers shop and, and kind of what their, their next steps will be. Uh, how do sites like Amazon.com play into it in terms of Oftentimes, people are, are using Amazon as a search engine for a product. So instead of going to you know look for a specific product, maybe they're just they they do type in best digital cameras there. Uh, how does Amazon factor into the digital marketing space? Amazon is absolutely the eight hundred pound gorilla. Mac Nielsen just released a study, uh, I think last week or two, that said that now more searches for specific products start on Amazon than start on Google. I think the numbers were around 48% start on Amazon and about 37% start on Google. So Amazon has a huge amount of data and how they use this, if you ever type in a product search for something like desktop computers on Amazon, to laptops. But what you could see is Amazon has used how consumers search on their site, and they have created an almost infinite array of choices on how would you like to shop for computers. You know, do you want to shop by CPU type, by features, by the graphics processor, the hard drive size? So again, using the data of consumers entering their search, 
Amazon and more broadly, the search engines as well, can see what is the consumer doing. Going back to the course that you're teaching and your students, what are some of the most common questions, I guess, that you get from students or or what are some of the challenges that they face in navigating the digital marketing landscape? I think the, the challenge is still, and we're moving beyond this, is getting students to use the numbers. And students have to get ready to crunch the numbers. And we're sort of getting over that hump, but it's, it's a challenge because they have to structure the problem, they have to organize the data, and then they have to implement the insights they get from doing that process. And that's where all the information lies. I mean, literally, the, the data is there, but also all of the outcomes of, of what you're seeing, it, it's, it's all there. So it's just a matter of diving in, right? It is. And it's, you know, it's learning. Here's what I did. What impact did that have? And how do I do more of that? That's really a challenge. It's, it's no longer an intuitive, gee, I think that looks cool. It's what does the data show me about what's the best way to do this? Right. And that's a shift because a long, a long time marketing was a little bit by data, a lot by instinct and just understanding your customer and being able to make inferences about them. You're saying that's that's shifting. Now we don't have to make inferences. We, we've got quantitative data to go from. That is absolutely one of the big changes. And I think broadly, marketers have gone from being, in a way, attitude theorists and talking about how do customers feel and what do they believe into now where I tell my students, it's like we're on our customer's shoulder watching them walk through the store. Yeah, We can see where they stop, what they bend down to look at, how long they linger looking at product A versus product B, but it's an amazing amount of behavioral data. So we're shifting from being attitude theorists, being behavioral analysts. Because critically, as I try to drive into my students, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And more and more, we have the data on what behaviors our consumers are doing. Great stuff, Eric. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Shelby, it's been a real pleasure. And thanks to you listeners for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more and listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries. Subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video. Until next time, I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk.